Hello and welcome to the Clark's Legal Podcast. This is a podcast series for businesses and individuals which highlights recent case law updates and insightful discussions on the latest legal developments across employment, immigration, corporate, construction, real estate, litigation and more. Presented by our expert Clark's Legal lawyers and occasional guest speakers. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hello, I'm Deborah Scales, an employment lawyer at Clark's Legal, and this podcast is part one of a series on whistleblowing in the law. Today, I'm looking at the legal definition of a protected disclosure. I've chosen this topic because whistleblowers are back in the headlines following the Dyson report into the Panorama interview in 1995 with Diana, Princess of Wales. Lord Dyson found that Martin Bashir had acted deceitfully in the way he had obtained the interview with the princess. Since the publication of the report, press attention has also turned to how the BBC may have treated insiders who tried to expose Bashir's methods. Today, people who blow the whistle are protected at work from being dismissed or from suffering from some other detriment. In its response to the Dyson report, the BBC said that since the Panorama interview, it had introduced a whistleblowing policy taking into account the Public Interest Disclosure Act of 1998. The policy was relaunched in 2016 as part of the BBC's internal communications programme on speaking up. Today, every employer, whatever their size, should have a whistleblowing policy and a named whistleblowing officer for workers to report to. And while few situations will reach the high drama of the Panorama interview, virtually all employers will have to deal with whistleblowing issues at some point. Whistleblowers who are dismissed do not need to have the usual two years length of service before they can bring an unfair dismissal claim. And there is no cap on the compensation that can be claimed for loss of earnings. As a result, whistleblowing claims of doubtful merit can sometimes be brought by employees trying to circumvent their lack of statutory rights or to increase their levels of compensation. The legislation on whistleblowing is quite technical. The place to start for employers looking to defend a whistleblowing detriment or dismissal claim is to first establish if a qualifying disclosure has been made. Then assess if that qualifying disclosure has been made to the right person, which turns it into a protected disclosure. To qualify for whistleblowing protection, the worker needs to pass all of the following tests. One, disclose information to their employer that one of six type of failures or wrongdoing has happened or is likely to happen. The six categories of failure or wrongdoing overlap to some extent and taken as a whole are very broad. The categories are criminal offences, a breach of any legal obligation, a miscarriage of justice, danger to the health and safety of any individual, damage to the environment, and the deliberate concealing of information of any of the above. Next, the information disclosed must contain facts rather than be a vague allegation. For example, simply saying you're breaching health and safety legislation is unlikely to be enough. Whereas stating that the wards have not been cleaned for two weeks and sharps have been left lying around is disclosing information. The worker must also have a reasonable belief that the information they are giving to their employer tends to show that one or more of the relevant failures has happened or is likely to happen. 
It doesn't matter if the worker's belief later turns out to be wrong, as long as it was reasonable to believe it at the time. That means there must be more than unsubstantiated rumours. The whistleblower must exercise some judgment that is consistent with the evidence available to them. The worker making the disclosure must also believe they are doing so in the public interest. There are no absolute rules about what is reasonable to view as being in the public interest, but a tribunal is unlikely to afford protection to an individual who is solely concerned with their own personal interests or liabilities. Finally, the worker must make the disclosure to one of the categories of people listed in the Employment Rights Act. In most cases, this will be a person in some management position relative to the worker or the person named in the employer's whistleblowing policy. In some cases, the disclosure may be made to organisations on the prescribed persons list rather than the employer. This includes HMRC, the Health and Safety Executive and the Financial Conduct Authority, among many others. The government has published a list of prescribed persons online. In the next part of this whistleblowing series, I'll be offering an overview of causation and the burden of proof in whistleblowing and detriment claims. In other words, was the protected disclosure the reason for the worker's treatment or can the employer demonstrate a legitimate reason unconnected with the disclosure? If your organisation needs support with anything I've mentioned here today, please contact our employment law team via email at contact at clarkslegal.com or on our website, clarkslegal.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>